0: this episode of saintly witnesses i'm speaking to dr josh Hingemuel, who serves as assistant dean of students at university of saint thomas today he's going to share his faith journey in the catholic church and uh, highlight his position in higher education so thank you for taking the time to come and give us your story today happy to happy to thanks for inviting me so um how we got acquainted because i always start this off on how we got acquainted um i just always notice josh's content and i always since i'm an educator i do like to keep people who work in higher education and public education Mm -hmm. in my circle just as you know resources to see what's going on in the field of education and in higher education and so um i noticed when i started this program i said i definitely wanted to get his you know two cents on how his faith impacts uh his role as the dean of assistant student so that's how uh, he came on the show right here so that's great so uh the first question we'll usually talk about you know your faith journey and for what i understand you are a cradle catholic right yep sure am so give us your you know your faith journey from like early ages upbringing how was your faith um, formation middle years and how that led you to where it is now
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's, it's, it's tricky for me to remember a Sunday that wasn't at Mass. Um, And so going back as far as I possibly can, you know, I'm uh, in the earliest stage of my life and only child of a single mother and uh, going to church and being part of our faith community was always really important to my mom. Um, And so we were certainly very present there. I have vivid memories of my church, uh, St. Peter's, growing up, um, sitting in the congregation, singing, singing the songs. Um, wonderful, kind old ladies sitting in the row in front of me, turning around and saying, "Oh, you have a great voice! Keep singing!" You know, so I appreciated that encouragement. Um, I have a great congregational singing voice, not a great soloist voice. That's how I like to describe it. I'm happy to sing loudly in in the pews, but that's that's my role. Um, and I also know just from talking with my mother that it was important for her that uh, that my education be in the church as well. And so, um, really from kindergarten through, uh, you know, my graduate degrees, I've, I've never had a minute of formal education outside of Catholic schools. And so that, um, that deep link between my own education and my faith practice has existed for a really long time, um, and has always been really important to me. Um, You know, I can remember times growing up where I questioned, I can remember going through confirmation in high school and wondering if I really was ready to commit, um, telling my mom at some point in time that I might not have been. And she said, yeah, we're gonna still do it. And I'm still glad she did because even if I wasn't 100% ready, the graces of that sacrament certainly continued to grow within me after that moment and um, have just have have supported me along the way. Um, So I don't have these really, amazing epiphany moments or these really like conversion moments that i get so jealous of some of my you know my fellow catholics who are converts or have these deep realization Um, it's just been a part of who i have been the entirety of my life and so um, it's not something that i could ever imagine living without
0: so when you talk about you know your degrees and your education you know a lot of catholics normally fall away in college and you know, get enticed with sure. you know, different pursuits, but it sounds like you, you know, remain steadfast. Was that, is that a true statement for you? Or did you yeah, I would say so. strong in, faith, in college?
1: Yeah, uh, I would say so. And I think there's a couple of different pieces that were built for that. I think, um, you know, I was pretty active in my high school youth group. Um, and so that was a place where I found a lot of home and comfort. And so then when I moved on to college, finding places that felt like that and reminded me of that were really important. Um, and so, you know, going to a Catholic college was important to me in my college selection as well. Um, I, you know, as, as as a Catholic growing up, I of course wanted to go to Notre Dame because growing up in the US, if you're a Catholic and that's at all important to you, that has to be on your radar a little bit. Um, and I could still remember clearly driving away from the campus from a tour and my mom looking at me and going, you know, we can never afford this, right? It's <laughs> like, uh, yeah. But it's a good dream, right? Um, in the end, I never even applied, but I knew that some place that continued that cultural and faith tradition was going to be important to me. Um, and so, I still went to mass every Sunday in college. I, you know, it, I got involved with campus ministry relatively early because it was a comfortable transition place for me, um, and I, you know, met some great people there as well. So. Didn't help that there's a, there's a a cute lady who was also involved in campus ministry that I wanted to get to know better. That kept me going. Um, I'm married to her now, so it's okay, but you know, it's, it's that, the, there's those little enticements as well that God can use appropriately uh, to keep us on the right path. It's been great there
0: too. Did you have any, I mean, I know you said you didn't have any you no know, epiphany Rick moments, but throughout your faith journey, have you had any you know influential figures or influential moments that have, sure. you know, left or lasting an impact on you?
1: Yeah, I think, you know, I was thinking about this and some of it's faith journey and some of it's just, you know, good moral journey as well and and, and identity. I think, you know, my mom was real intentional about um, some of the relationships she set up for me when I was younger with good, strong men who were good, faithful people. Um, you know, growing up without a father for the first several years of my life, I I needed other places to turn to for those models, right? Um, it certainly probably helped that the um, youth minister at my parish was a was a was a male who was a great role model for what good, healthy, holy masculinity could be, um, and so that was a helpful uh, resource for me as well. So I'd say those kind of influential figures in my early life and retreats. I think I went to um, late in high school. Again, this wasn't a conversion moment, but I can remember going to the Steubenville retreat at Franciscan um, and during the Eucharistic adoration, just having this overwhelming experience of joy to the point where I was laughing almost uncontrollably. Um, and just every once in a while, I can still reflect back to that moment and, and feel it, and it will warm me. Um, and I, 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 I can think of those kind of things. I can think of retreats where we were encouraged to think and, and envision Christ, and I can remember picturing him as a friend walking with me, you know, goofing off with me. Those kind of, of relationships with with Jesus, which were were things I, I still turn to frequently in my own life as an adult. About how do I think about that relationship, and how do I, I work to live it? Um, in later years, you know, um, I I went to the my college was the University of Mary in Bismarck, North Dakota. Um, went out to the middle of nowhere. Uh, and up there, um, the president at the time was a, a woman named Sister Thomas Welder. Um, she was a Benedictine sister of the community that founded the institution. And her tremendous wisdom and leadership coupled with her deep faith um, is certainly something I look to a lot. She just recently passed away. We were really sad to lose her, but um, her her gift of combining A really practical, you know, wisdom and intelligence and work. I mean, she was the president of a university for for a number of years. She certainly had great worldly tasks around her and yet never lost sight of the greater goals and where her gifts came from and the grace she had and where that came from um, was was certainly a beautiful thing to look for as well.
0: Mm -hmm. Thank you for sharing that. So when you talk about you know, converts to the Catholic Church and those discerning mm-hmm. them possibly join it. What would you say to that person on why they should come to the church?
1: Oh, goodness. Um, you know, the intellectual in me loves the fullness of tradition and the interconnection of uh, teaching throughout the years, right? I mean, um, I remember a professor I had in graduate school who would talk about, you know, sharing the writings of um, St. John. Henry Cardinal Newman with people, and that being all it took to convert them, right? Because of his his wisdom and and, and pulling out the wisdom of the church over the centuries, right? Um, and so, I, I certainly think there's many roads to conversion. It doesn't have to be um, this deeply immediate, momentary spiritual experience. It can it can come in a lot of different ways. And so, I would say never never doubt or feel bad or weak about what's drawing you to ask the questions or look at it a little bit differently that would be one thing Um, and then the other thing I would say is I can't compare it to not being in the church because I've never felt that but I have um, loved deeply loved the feeling of home and and family that comes with the church in my experience Um, you know I think small example a handful of years ago my wife and I were privileged enough to take a trip to the Czech Republic with her family and um, it was important to us that we got to mass and we went to this mass in this little uh, church I can't even remember what town it was but they weren't speaking English at the mass but I was still present I was still there it was still the same mass that we would have been praying if I had been back home in Minnesota on a Sunday right and um, so even from the practice of of this universal community, um, has has always been a reassurance for me. Has has been a place for me to feel welcomed and at home. And I know not every Catholic always feels that. I know that there are barriers and challenges in every church, but also I think I think folks can find a place as well.
0: Yeah, gotta love that marker universal. Yeah by the church
1: it's one of my favorite things so we we, as american catholics lose sight of it so often that we think the only thing that matters is what's going on in the u.s and um the the globalness of the church is just um overwhelmingly beautiful uh, when you when you actually step back and can step out of sight of yourself in your own experience to, to view it
0: oh yeah yeah many different rights many and you know the catechism also talks about liturgical diversity and you know being open to that so that's a good point a very good point so now you're going to go into the human interest component and so the the introduction you know i mentioned that you know you work at university of st thomas and Mm you assistant dean of students and i'm wondering and i noticed that you had this real rocking you know dissertation online (laughs) on the charism did your homework yeah Yeah, you had the charisms in, you know, higher education. So I'm wondering, like, how did you get, what influenced you to, um, you know, work in higher education?
1: So, um, actually, when I started my undergraduate degree, I initially thought about being a youth minister in in a parish work. And um, for a variety of reasons, drifted away from that, started to explore some other things. Um, But then late in my uh, senior year, I actually... Um, was looking at law schools. I was planning on going to law school, possibly, you know, I had done an internship in politics, was really interested in that kind of work. Um, And uh, one of my uh, advisors at the time at my college suggested, well, why don't you go and see if you can be a hall director, one of the live-in professional staff members at um, whatever law school you might be interested in. I had been working as a resident advisor throughout my years. I had been involved in student government and a couple of other things on campus. I mentioned campus ministry and had a real um, powerful and joyful experience in those experiences. And so I thought, yeah, that'd be great. Get some housing, make some money and help pay for school. So I reached out to a couple of the law schools I was looking at and um, one school wrote me back, uh, someone from a residence life department there wrote back and said, well, we do have folk uh, positions that are like graduate assistantships for our graduate students, but normally they're for folks were in our master's program focused on doing the work of student affairs which is not something I had ever thought of before Um, but in that email reading it maybe that was my epiphany not a faith epiphany but a professional epiphany I realized that I was getting prepared to choose a law school and a law program based primarily on where they would hire me for a hall director job and so it became very clear where my priorities were very quickly once I once I realized that and kind of did a 360 and um, thought about and considered going to grad school um, for student affairs, for working in higher ed administration, for working in the outside of the classroom experiences of college students. Um, And I remember telling my mom, you know, that, hey, fall of my senior year, I'm gonna change my career directions. Um, And her immediate response was, you know, this sounds more like you this sounds more like what you initially were thinking when you were going to college, this feels connected to that. And so um, between that and some other folks in my life, I knew it was right, I knew it was the right direction. And so that's how I started. Um, I sometimes say that in uh, in undergrad, I majored in extracurriculars because I probably spent just as much time doing those kind of outside of the classroom activities as I did doing my homework. And so um, that's what led me to the work. And then the opportunity to do it at a place um, that linked with my faith, that continued that education um, and that educational practice in my faith um, was really important to me um, in a lot of different ways. And so I did, while I was in grad school, I was attending a Catholic institution. I was working at a different private institution for a while that wasn't Catholic, and I, I felt I liked that school. I learned a lot. It was a really robust experience, but I never felt at home there the way I have in, in the Catholic settings I've worked in and, and had been in prior to that. And so um, that's probably the direction that took me there uh, the most. And then you mentioned my dissertation. The work I'm, I'm doing is, is recognizing that a lot of folks who work in my field... There aren't as many people who are intentionally choosing a Catholic institution the way I am. I did. Um, and that's fine. There, w- many people can work at many different places. But I think trying to develop a deeper understanding of how we uh, develop and form people to work in these institutions um, in a way that enlivens and enriches and lifts up the identity, um, all too often, um, Folks in my field or in, or in higher ed in general who work at a Catholic institution might talk about the Catholic identity as a barrier, as saying, well, because we're Catholic, we can't do this, or we can't you know, say this, or we can't have this event. Um, and those things might be true, but it's all a deficit mindset to that identity. And to me, I want to help us unearth and prepare people to, to really think about the gifts and the fruits that the identity can bring um, to the work and uh, prepare people for that
0: mm-hmm. yeah real rockin research that you did i'm Thanks. still reading it but it was really, <laughs> it's really good you book.
1: know there's a book chapter somewhere that i got converted into which is more of a, like a six page version of it instead of however many pages what you're trying to read is so maybe i could send that your way that would probably be i don't recommend anyone read it beginning to end that's not what dissertations are for right there's for us to put in a binding and on a shelf and put letters after our name and then do other work after that that hopefully is just as meaningful or more.
0: What are some experiences that you gained from you know working in higher education?
1: Sure, Um, it's been a real joy to work with um, students who are struggling or at various stages in their own faith journey and again working at a catholic institution we're able to talk about that whether they're Catholic or not. Um, and it's, it's been kind of beautiful. Um, my first job at St. Thomas was actually a hall director um, where I was a live in staff member and I had a team of undergraduate students who were my RAs and um, a couple of them, a handful of them were Catholic and we had deep conversations about their faith journeys um, and, and learned a lot together. And to be able to take some of the challenging issues that they're struggling with and unpack them together and work together with them um, has, has also been a joy. Um, one of those guys from that first year um, of my team, actually two of them from that first year of my team are now priests. And I'm not taking any credit for that at all. They were deep holy men long before I ever met with them. But um, that's been fun to, to see their lives lived out in that way as well.
0: What's one um, you know, challenge that you've experienced while you know pursuing sure. higher education as a profession?
1: Yeah, I think, um, you know, I, higher education in general, um, and probably the field of student affairs has a reputation of, of being highly liberalized right now. Um, and I don't want to get into the politics. I have a lot of d- different things about that, but I do think there's sometimes challenges, particularly at a Catholic institution, between what the higher ed world as a profession might want to push or advance or or take as best practice and what two thousand years of church teaching maybe tell us isn't quite exactly the fullest expression of the person or is not the 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 strongest way to push forward it's it's complicated conversations that i think um in the busyness of our world it's hard for people to take the time to have them um, sometimes and i think um What One of my challenges is getting people and myself to slow down enough to have those really rich dialogues about important topics in a way that um, leaves people still feeling okay about working together, about advancing together, about doing the work of of supporting students that we need to do. it's real it's fun i'm sure catholic higher ed or higher ed in general is not the only place that that exists it's got to exist probably all sorts of places but that's definitely been one of
0: my experiences yeah. so the last question now that you've given us all this information about how the church has nourished you from you know the early ages early years and <laughs> now guided you all the way to now how have you managed to you know insert your catholic faith in your position as um assistant dean a student sure sure um
1: you know some of it is um being a person to raise that perspective in meetings or conversations right um some of it is um you know i'm in minnesota i'm in the twin cities of minnesota where we recently had you know the murder of george floyd and the response to that that kind of sparked across the nation um and a couple of weeks after all of this happened, I was emailing various folks and and trying to say, you know, there are some great Catholic voices about the evil and sin of racism that we could be bringing to campus. We don't have to just turn to the the secular narrative on this. Um, and knowing full well all sorts of different things, we probably need to bring those kind of voices to campus to speak to the various uh lenses people bring to how they engage in that conversation about race and racism and so i'm trying to reach out and advance some of those uh conversations um i can remember this was years ago but it's still a very vivid memory of mine Um, i was working in residence life i don't think any of the people who were there are still working there. Um, But we had a meeting with someone from development who was new to the university and just wanted to better understand all the work Residence Life was doing. And the person asked, and so what about the Catholic identity? How does that play out in um, the work that Residence Life does? And I was sitting at the other end of the table and every head turned to me because I had already made myself known as the person for whom that was really important and could speak to that. But I was able to, and I was able to bring that conversation. And I think people will, Um, you know close colleagues who are looking for a little bit of insight uh, will reach out to me and 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 know that those things are important to me and will will seek some guidance i think we've also um, i've also tried to um, use my faith to gain greater trust and um, collaboration with some folks at the university who might especially students who might be less inclined because of whatever biases they bring to trust folks who work in my division, right? I mean, I think, um, again, with kind of that political viewpoint that people have about university professors and administration, sometimes the students don't see us as approachable or willing to listen. And so I've tried to, um, in putting my faith forward, advance myself as a person who can be trusted for conversations and then try to dive deeper um, into some conversations about some hard issues with students who might not normally um, be doing that 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 kind of work and then just in nourishing me um, you know one of the aspects of my role that I don't doesn't lead in my bio but I've you know participated in aspects of our um, sexual misconduct policy and investigations and those are, are deeply, deeply hurtful for so many people, and they are heavy, and it's a lot, you know, the burden that I carry when I do that work is nothing compared to the the burden that the the survivor is carrying, obviously, or the, you know, the accused, but um, that can be a lot to to carry, and so just being able to pray um, and ask God to help me carry some of those heavier moments has been really essential uh, for me to be able to keep doing some of that work. Man, I wanna
0: say thank you for, doing the hard work and, you know, being a light on your campus in regards to human dignity and, and worth, man. And so it takes a lot to do that, I'm sure. And I'm thankful that you're in that position to do that. I'm happy to do it, yeah. And as we wrap up this interview, you know, one thing I wrote down that I thought, you know, really sounded great is, you know, when you were talking about your faith journey, you talked mm-hmm. about how, uh, you know, you there was a time you never knew the church. And the church, from what I understand, it sounds like the church has always been a mother to you, and I think that's a a good you know image for the church that we should all have. Is that the church is you know it's more than just a hierarchy and prelates yep. and bishops, but she's also you know a comforter and someone who can guide us faithfully um, in life. So I just wanted to share that with you. That's something I thought that was yeah. super super rewarding. Yeah, Um, the the
1: image of God as Father, while really important and really beneficial to me, um, church's mother and our blessed mother have been definitely places I've turned to a lot, um, having grown up with my mom, such an important role in my life. So, but thank you. That's that's deep. Deep.
0: Yeah, yeah. So I don't have nothing further to say, but I just wanted to thank you for your time. And, you know, I will keep you in my prayers for your vital work that you do. And, you know. Thank you. Smolden minds and in college. I know it's not easy, but you know, God has pointed you there to do the work and I pray that you continue to, you know, live that out do as what he wants do. you to. Thank you. Thank you for your prayers. And I, I'll pray for you as well and your work. Thank you. And so this is gonna conclude this episode of Saint Louis Witnesses. Stay tuned until for the next one.